Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And uh, today I'm going to take a hop, skip, and jump back down to Melbourne, Australia, to my buddy, Dr. Martin Harvey. Um, he's been on this podcast. This is the third time, but the reason yes. that I brought him back, he's like, yes, I made it to three. Um, the, the reason I really wanted to bring him back, though, is because like across the world, uh, chiropractic is kind of getting attacked a little bit with inside the profession and outside the profession. And often we'll hear weird stuff in the newspaper or something else, which might have our practice members come in asking questions that make us feel uncomfortable. And um, because Martin is kind of the master of communication, I thought what we'd do is take this opportunity today to use this episode as just a way to help equip you as a chiropractor, just to help deal with stressful situations in your practice. So welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Martin, my main man. Thank you. My absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. This feels like a special honor. I'm, I'm going to catch up to Brandy. Determined. My <laughs> life's purpose is to be on your podcast more times than Brandy. That's hilarious. I feel like, you know, in CNN or something like that, when there's some breaking news and then you got to bring your expert in. So like, yeah. <laughs> this is the help. Well, of in, that, yeah. in that case, I hope I'm not. Like, I hope there's not so many more <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, press no. moments. Yeah. But but just for listeners out there, like in Canada, we've had some bad press. In Australia, we've had some bad press. Um, and in the United States, they're always dealing with the weird stuff too. Um, UK, they they get that stuff. Um, but I think this is just universal because you can even say, I had a friend who heard some weird thing about chiropractic that wasn't true and it puts you on your heels. And yeah. I think maybe we can, Martin will have us cover a few steps here on how we can just be a little bit better equipped to deal with those kind of things. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I think that you're, what you're saying is 100% true. This is happens to be a moment where the anti-chiropractic movement, both within and without the profession, are super active. And that, that's probably not the end of it. We're probably going to have some challenging situations. At the moment, I know in Canada, your stuff's a lot about uh, chiropractors being uh, presented as being anti-vax, as a lot of it is centering around chiropractors being uh, apparently unsafe to take care of kids and and we've got a little bit of an anti-vax edge to ours as well and these sort of difficult situations whatever they are whether they're these specific examples of this uh, promoting a lot of people coming into our practice asking questions about it and potentially out in social environments you know you're picking your kids up from school or you're at some sort of social event and people say oh you're a chiropractor or, you know I hear you hurt babies or whatever it is yeah. but the, the common theme in these difficult situations is that they're difficult but there's also a whole lot of them that we come up with that maybe aren't as emotionally charged but they're super common where you're in practice and somebody has been coming in for care for a little while and they say oh look I don't think I'm feeling better or uh, I feel like you hurt me or, uh, or chiropractic uh, isn't working right that's another yeah thing. absolutely yeah. so any of these difficult situations they're a big challenge, but there's also a real opportunity there because my take on it is the fastest way to improve your communication skills is to get good at handling it when it's difficult, when there is a degree of adversity to it. Mm -hmm. Because 
if you can communicate when it's difficult, when you're coming at a situation almost from the opposite side to the person, then it gives you a real certainty and confidence to be able to go, well, look, I can handle a difficult situation. I can handle anything. Right. Uh, and, and if you can handle those difficult situations then, and you've got confidence around it, then you don't get that kind of certainty droop that I, I know before I had better communication skills, I used to get where I'd come back from some event. I know you guys were just at um, uh, life vision. Life vision. Yeah. And you come back, I'd always come back from those events like super pumped, like, yes, everybody needs chiropractic. Yeah. And I'd come into, and there'd be a different energy in the practice about, you know, me having this vision for people's life with chiropractic care, but also beyond that, the people that they could influence and the connections that they could have. And I would, be willing to say things and advocate for chiropractic at this higher level. But then if one of these difficult situations came up and I didn't feel like I handled it well, it yeah. was like, oh, you know, you'd go back into your shell, but it didn't just affect that circumstance. It kind of had this hangover where, you know, you wouldn't then you looked at everything in that kind of defense rather than growth mode. And so you were, uh, it, it would affect you for hours or days or weeks that you are more on a defensive than an attack. And I think if we zoom out and look at the profession, a lot of the time we're on a, on that kind of defensive, I'll just, uh, I don't want to stir the pot. I'll just hope that this goes away. And that doesn't have to be the way that it is. Yeah, I know. And I, we just, because even just being at this seminar, we talked to chiropractors across Canada and, you know, they, they see what's going on and then they're left alone in their practice and then they lose certainty and they, and, and, and they're upset, but they're scared and they don't want to say anything. And then they're yeah. kind of, and then that's really hard in a healing profession because as we know, the human body, we like, we, we, we grow through defense, right? And you can't be both yeah. at the same time. So I think this would be good to cover some skill sets that we can pick up as chiropractors just so that we can, we, as I call it in my book, close that refractory period. So when stuff yeah. like this happens, it doesn't just kind of take out your next week or your month or the six months or yeah. you kind of just nip it in the butt and try to recover as quick as you can. Yeah. And look, I, I think it's also people sometimes think that they should just get over it, that you should ignore <laughs> this, but it's actually, it's part of being human. Like if you think of it sociologically or anthropologically, we're kind of designed to be these cave people who would live in a small community of what is it, you know, Dunbar's numbers, 75 to 150 people. And so we're wired to be social animals. So if you were in that hunter gatherer tribe, your survival depend on the social, depended on the social cohesion of these people because humans don't have sharp claws. We don't have big teeth. We don't have any of these physical attributes to be, um, king of the jungle, we needed to be have that cohesion of a group of people working together. And in that small group, being on the outer of a group, being the, the person who has the weird kooky belief or the stinky underarms or whatever, would be really, it would be really dangerous. And so yeah. we're wired to see these moments where we have a different belief system to somebody about um, the, the safety of chiropractic the, um, or, you know, whether chiropractic care is valuable for them or whether they're doing well or not, any of these things, we see it disproportionately dangerous. And so it evokes a stress response. And when we have a stress response, a couple of things happen. First one is the classic sort of fight, flight, or even freeze response where we see it as a threat. So we change our whole physiology into this, I've either got a fight or I've got to run away from it, or if I stay really still, maybe they'll ignore me and it'll go away. 
and it also changes activation and blood flow to our brain. So it, rather than being a lot of activation and blood flow of our frontal cortex, which is about problem solving and connection and altruism and seeing things from your perspective and social connection goes to like the primitive parts of our brain that are really about, you know, survival and it prioritizes sort of established patterns of behavior. So if you've got a habit in the way that you do things, that's what's you, what you're going to do. So if we look at these challenging situations, I find it interesting to see that there's chiropractors who want to, if they're more, their established pattern is a fight pattern. If when they're threatened, they think they fight. They, they say things that sound really good to other chiropractors because that it can be really galvanizing that idea of we're being attacked. We need to fight back. But they'll say things like, you know, if somebody will say something around, I heard chiropractic's dangerous, I heard chiropractic causes strokes, I heard chiropractic dangerous for babies or any of the other garbage that's untrue, but they feel like they've got to fight back. So they go, well, look, that's bullshit. Where did you get that from? Anytime medicine wants to compare body counts, I'm up for it. And then... But that sounds compelling to a chiropractic audience. It's like what you want to see in your inside head, but you probably shouldn't see it in the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have an active frontal cortex, you'll go, yeah, that's not the thing to say. Because right. to the public, they, it actually reinforces their belief because you look unhinged. You look like, whoa, that was a big response. I just I asked you a question and I get that. Yeah. But, um, but the flip side doesn't really work either. The, 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 run away from it response where you essentially go, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah, I might just go over here and talk to my other friend, you know, just the, I'm going to run away from it and hope that they forget that they had that thought. It just, it doesn't work. Or, or just you know, ignore they said it. <laughs> yeah. Or in a practice environment, the way that people might do it is, you know, if somebody comes in and says, uh, you know, I've been coming here for six weeks and I really don't feel like I'm any better rather than kind of entering into a dialogue about what would represent success and what you're tracking and all of that kind of stuff that we'll get to in a minute. If they just sort of go, well, you know, maybe chiropractic's not for you. And you, you just kind of don't address the issue. That's essentially running away. Like ah, this person will be out of my practice and I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, so that doesn't work. And clearly freeze. We just kind of, I don't know what to say isn't a good strategy either. So yeah. Yeah, I guess where I'm coming from is these difficult situations, we need to kind of recognize that we're emotional about them. And there's also an overlay where if we make the other person wrong for their belief, whether it is, if they came to you saying, look, I heard that chiropractic's potentially dangerous, either for me or for my baby or whatever. If we make them wrong for their belief, making other people wrong actually has a couple of psychological effects. We, we hate being wrong. It attacks our sense of self-efficacy. And so we often will block or ignore that. Or if, we're re if the other person's really making us wrong about something that we are emotionally connected to, it actually evokes confirmation bias. So we actually go, you're, uh, I'm going to go looking for all the reasons why you're wrong and I'm right. And so you actually reinforce their beliefs. So if we map out that scenario, somebody could be coming to you saying, with just like a relatively open perspective around it saying, um, I heard that chiropractic's dangerous for kids. And if you handle it poorly and you go, where did you hear that garbage? That's, that's just so untrue. Only idiots would believe that sort of thing. Or, you know, <laughs> anytime medicine wants to compare body counts, yeah. then if you're essentially making them because of your emotion around it, making them in some way wrong, 
then it's natural for them to want to push back against that and go, well, hang on a minute. This is in a mainstream publication and the people who are advocating for it are the, the medical authorities. They're paediatricians and uh, the, the head of the AMA or whatever else. They're credible people. And there's this, all this stuff in the paper. And, I don't, yeah, and so it's re they may have had an unformed opinion and you're making them neuroplastically reinforce. Like, yeah, reinforcing it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're trying to go so, like, hey, how many other things can I come up to confirm this? Because that's kind of yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because you made me feel uncertain in the way that you handled it. Mm hmm. percent. Well, no, that's yeah. a, and that's a, that's such a good point because I know in the that's what you kind of would want to do as protection. Like that's kind of what we feel like doing. Yeah. And I was just thinking it's kind of interesting. Just if we talk about you know the evidence based vital you know um, uh, vitalistic yeah, more, yeah. discussion in chiropractic. It's kind of what the evidence-based people are doing right now in chiropractic is when, yeah. when, when, they're, when they're being, like a lot of them are, have predominantly taken over leadership positions in a lot of the regulation yeah. boards all across the world, um, but they're doing that. Yes. So, which is actually getting everybody, and that's why I said there's a benefit to a lot of this stuff too, because across Canada, we've like connected a lot more, and I'm sure in Australia, you yeah. guys have connected a lot more. So, um, you know, if they would listen to this podcast, maybe that wouldn't have happened, but who knows? It's <laughs> <laughs> just reconfirming when they say there's no benefit for chiropractic over pain. Um, then that makes us want to be confirmation bias. And go, yeah, well, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It cuts both ways. Yeah, it cuts both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the next layer of it that I feel like if we kind of boil down everything that I was talking about there is we need to recognize that these uh, difficult situations we're going to feel an emotion around them and we have to manage our emotions. Now, if we then again, look at what the, what our brain does when we feel like, Ooh, stressful moment is that we are more likely to use established patterns. So what I'm going to lead up to is if you create an established pattern for something that serves you better in that situation than fight, flight or freeze, then you're going to be able to handle these situations much better. You're going to perceive them as much less stressful your refractory period is going to either become so short you don't notice it or you're not even really going to feel that it's stressful because it doesn't have to be. You can have people believe something different to you and that's an opportunity to connect with them and, and have a discussion. It doesn't have to be something that you feel like, oh, this is stressful and I hate it, um, particularly if you have an established pattern that tends to diffuse those situations and then create an opportunity for people to be to receive an idea that is more representative of the truth. Mm. But the next layer of it is I think sometimes our response as chiropractors is, well, the facts are on our side. So if I just tell people the facts, then that should win them over. And the, the influence literature, so this, the communication ideas that I'm sharing with you, I didn't kind of make up. They're, they're ideas from the influence literature, which is research from psychology, from behavioral economics, from marketing, from neuroscience. They're essentially looking at, well, why do people do what they do and how can we ethically influence them to, to make better decisions? And one of the first principles of that influence literature is that people decide or process information based on emotion and then they look for logical reasons post hoc to support the decision that, or the, the orientation they've already had. Right. So we've got to make sure that we've got the right emotional tone. And one of the sort of, uh, we've got so much information as humans that we're processing the whole time that we have these uh, little shortcuts, these little 
uh, ways that we process information that don't maybe aren't the the most uh, accurate, but they work because they're quick. And so like, is one like of that, the, is that like pattern recognition, like you just you yeah. know, patterns, then you make a quick decision based on that. Absolutely. And so one of them is that people buy you before they buy your message. So they sort of go, look, are you credible? Um, and so it's a kind of a, I can't process every bit of information um, or whether it's true or it's not. So I kind of look for, just, is this person trustworthy? Is this person credible? And as one of the first filters as to whether I'm going to listen to it. So if we then look at the environment where somebody in the public coming to you and asking you a question about chiropractic, did they see you as credible? And we look at it from a fact-based perspective and go, well, of course, I've studied chiropractic. I'm in chiropractic. I've looked at all these issues. You know, who's the expert here? But then if you look at it from their lens, well, we've got this challenge where they, uh, with cultural authority, chiropractors don't come with a whole lot of it. Like if you look at the domain of health, who's the cultural authority? Well, it's still the medical doctor. And, Chiropractors, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be this way, but this is the reality of it is we don't have cultural authority. In fact, if there's an opposite of cultural authority, that's what we have. Like saying you're a chiropractor comes with a a little bit of baggage associated with it. So we don't win credibility on that domain. But what we can do to win credibility is the way coming across as really reasonable, not coming across as a zealot, like people who are super crazy zealots for an idea, you sort of go, ooh, Nothing's that black and white. So the strategies that I'm going to get to in a minute, a lot about it is about kind of uh, making sure that that blocking and filtering that we were talking about, that they have a belief and if you attack it or you try and overwhelm it, if you drop that first, then you created a, yeah, you're a reasonable person. So they're much more receptive to your perspective. You've got credibility. You've got connection with them before you then give them your message. So big thing there is recognize that there's an emotional tone from you because you feel as stressful. It kind of almost attacks your identity as a chiropractor. So we're going to have a pattern of, I'm going to come back at you, but it can be emotional for the other people, particularly if we're raising the emotion of it. And that's probably not the best way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So like right off the bat, like right when it starts, if there's a situation that kind of puts you uncomfortable, do you do you recommend just like pausing like just yeah yeah like just so don't part, go like <laughs> yeah so this uh, there's that cliche that you know what is it um only seven percent of communication is the words and 90 plus percent of it is body language so mm-hmm. and if that goes back to that idea of us being social animals we're very cued into this uh, the, the the visual body language feedback of people in our environment if as if we were back in that tribe and you know you can see that person's looking stressed or whatever so there's a couple of things that you can do when you're stressed there's that posture that tends to happen and the change in breathing and the change in voice and all those things that we as humans recognize all oh, that person's stressed so it is worthwhile just taking that pause and there's a strategy that uh, opera singers use, but also you get taught as a public speaker to do to manage that stress so that you don't your voice doesn't come across as stressed and your body language doesn't come across as stressed. But if you look at it from just first of all the body, and you can this is going to sound like a lot of steps, but it is really just one step that you can do instantly. But if you think of a stress posture, it's your head comes forward, um, your shoulders round forward, you're sort of in that protection mode. 
and um, it, that has an effect on you neurophysiologically, but it affects your voice. It sort of tightens up your voice. Whereas if you do that Amy Cuddy um, Superman pose where, all right, I'm stressed, but I'm just going to drop my shoulders back. I'm going to stand up. And then the, the thing that we tend to do when we're stressed is we take that deep gulpy breath where we do the, this is going to sound terrible on audio, but you do the <gasps> sort of breath. Now I'm exaggerating it obviously, yeah. but that, tends to have like a not altogether fabulous effect on our diaphragm and makes your voice go in. You know, when you're in that really stressed thing and your voice gets wavery, like yeah, that's like not quivering. what chiropractic block. Oh, that kind of <laughs> I'm telling my mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the, the opposite thing is actually pull, you just pull your shoulders back and breathe out. So you just, and then it doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. Like it's going to look weird if somebody asks you a question and you're like, hang on a minute, I'll pull my shoulders back. But just really subtly, like just be aware. All right, I had this moment where I feel like, oh, hang on. And just pause, breathe out, shoulders back. Yeah. And then you go into the strategies, which probably worthwhile us doing that. But the first step is like that, prepare yourself. Right. Yeah. That's like um, tra trauma preparation. <laughs> absolutely. But it doesn't have to be traumatic. So the, that's, the only from our, that's only from the amiable personality because I'm speaking at, 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 in personal experience. These yeah. things for other chiropractors that are amiable, you're a, little, you're a bit more driver. So you, I think like naturally yeah. you probably handle a little bit better. But I know amiable personalities like that's yeah. like the biggest nightmare is someone like confront you. Like it's just, they just don't like well, in their brain. It's confrontation, but I know you're going to reframe it. So it's actually not confrontation, even though it feels yeah. like confrontation. That's one of the things that I love about the couple of strategies that I'm going to talk about in a minute is for amiable personalities, they love it because the, both the strategy. So one of the real benefits from my take on being amiable is you have a natural tendency to see things from the other person's perspective and have a real concern around what that other person's going to feel and experience and therefore think about you. Right. Drivers, it, it can be almost the opposite where you're not clued in enough to other people's perspectives, but the strategies, because they're driven by the other person's perspective, work well for both because they um, work for um, amiable people. Typically, my experience is they're better at using these strategies initially because they go, oh, that sounds perfect because I am get to see it from the other person's perspective. Um, drivers, you probably need more help with it, um, <laughs> but once you get them, it will make you more effective by making you don't realize you're bulldozing over other people and making them feel shit and reinforcing their beliefs because you're making them wrong. Um, you think that, well, I just showed them the right way. Um, <laughs> but these strategies will help. So I probably should create, not keep creating mystery around what they are. Um, oh, and, we'll, and we'll do that in part two, which will come out in four months. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, you, and it's only $99 to sign up. For part two. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, we, uh, it, it's nice. So the people listen to the whole podcast. So now starting now, go. <laughs> All right. So strategy wise, first strategy is one that I'm going to suggest people use first is called permission. So the way permission works is you just ask permission before you offer your perspective. So somebody comes in with a difficult situation, whether it's, I heard chiropractors are dangerous. I heard chiropractors uh, hurt babies. I heard chiropractors are anti-vax. I don't feel like I'm doing well with care. Uh, in, in the Canada chiropractors say they can cure cancer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. And yeah. then the, the basic structure for it is 
would it be okay if I offered you a different perspective? Would it be okay if I explained my perspective? Would it be okay if I explained why that is? But the key thing is, um, would it be okay? And then the most critical thing with permission is that you have to wait for the yes. So it's actually not permission where particularly drivers, but sometimes just with our anxiety, we go, you come to me and say, I heard that chiropractors uh, can cure cancer. And I say, would it be okay if I explained why that's wrong? Yeah, because that's crazy. That's what chiropractors don't. <laughs> Without waiting for it. But I don't yeah. wait for the yes. So, Because yeah. the magic of the yes is once you say yes, what happens with you is that your that natural blocking and filtering that people have for incoming messages where we will say we will kind of ignore a lot of the information coming in or look for well, is this person credible or should I let this information in rather than blocking it they sort of go well I asked for this so I should you know this they they've communicated that they're sensitive to my beliefs and I said yes, therefore I've really got to take this on. So saying permission essentially reverses that tendency of people to push back on ideas that they don't already believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really simple. You just ask for permission. Would it be okay if I offered a different perspective? Wait for the yes. Once there's the yes. So the real situation is, you know, the, the media misrepresented this one bit of information. It probably wasn't the best thing to put on social media. This is the truth. We take care of thousands of children of whatever the situation is, you then give the, the information. Mm -hmm. So permission, super easy. Now that we, if we loop back, we were talking about how under stress we tend to go to establish patterns. Right. If you've heard, if this is the first time you've heard of using permission as a strategy, it's not an established pattern. If you've heard about it a few times, but you've never used it, it's not an established pattern. Right. What you have to do is practice it. So what I recommend for chiropractors is if you really want to um, supercharge your communication skills, you need to get into, and I know you guys do this a lot in your practice and you do this a lot with your um, coaching clients, is you've got to do that uncomfortable role play thing of I've just got to do this in a less stressful situation until I've done enough reps that this becomes my automatic uh, default rather than if your automatic default was to say, you know, flight, run away, hope that this doesn't happen, that this doesn't happen, then you're going to replace that pattern with a more useful pattern, which is I'm just doing my quick shoulders back, breath out. Would it be okay if I offered you a different perspective? So, yes, it's a super simple one. Amiables use it and often find it quite natural because it's sort of like, a, uh, yeah, I'm concerned about your perspective. Drive, more driving personalities need to use it so that you're not leaving this, uh, these people that you've bulldozed over thinking that you've convinced them and all you've done is evoked confirmation bias and you're going to have to practice it to get good at it. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I think that's the, that's the dread that um, Amy Bills will have to you at first is, is practicing it, which, which yeah. is funny because this is exactly what you need because yeah. um, like sometimes drivers uh, can kind of think on their feet a little bit better too. So sometimes yeah. they can kind of get away with doing, well, again, that's, that's probably just my confirmation bias because I'm not a driver. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's way easier to be a driver. You should try being amiable. It ain't easy to be green. It ain't easy being me, no. yeah. but, uh, but I think that's a huge thing. And, and, and the funny thing is, is you just actually, it's good to just feel kind of crazy in the moment because if you feel uncomfortable in the moment, it is, 
it is evoking the stress response like it would be in the real moment, except it's not yeah. the real moment. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, the nice part. A, a safe, safe place to crash. Yeah. You can feel goofy and that's okay, yeah. but it's not like yeah. it's actually in the real thing. So I, I think that's, uh, that's super important. So everybody out there, make sure you practice role play. Yeah. And so it, it, there's different environments. So I actually think that it's worthwhile just uh, kind of going a little bit deeper with that because we can say that because we have an environment in which we're going to be practicing. But um, I actually suggest that if you, there are chiropractors where, oh, look, you know, our practice doesn't really do the role play thing. You can just get one person. Like it can be, you've got a buddy who's a chiropractor in a different town and it's like, let's get on the phone and do this or on a Skype call so we can see each other. Let's just do this. And in terms of actual practice, what works really well is if you're practicing skills that are unfamiliar, you do in short bursts. So you're doing like a maximum of about 20 minutes of focused work. And then you just give your nervous system a bit of a break. So it doesn't have to be a lot of practice, but it needs to be kind of focused. We've got our game face on. We're not, we're, we're, playing as if as close to the circumstances and we're not you've just got to go through it not stop and say oh hang on a minute let me fix this you've just got to have that game face on but it can be really short you can do it if you've got one if you're a one chiropractor one ca this stuff is super important for cas to be good at as well because you think oh, of yeah. the difficult situations that they have yeah i don't want to pay my bill yeah i, I already paid my bill yeah, I don't want to reschedule that appointment. Yeah, I don't need any more appointments. All of these things that we sort of lob into their lap that are potentially difficult situations. Well, often they they'll, have, get, they'll get the crazy ones too. They'll get the ones, yeah. oh, I heard chiropractic's dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and, so, and then they even have less um, like background knowledge to help support that. So that's super important for them to be able to understand that. Yeah, or or even be able to to take that and then to be able to just direct it, do the same thing you just said, have permission, and then just direct. Maybe I can book a little extra time with the doctor or, or something, so that yeah. even knowing that that'll be better for them, is they don't they know they don't have to be responsible for ask answering the really hard questions, but they yeah. do have a way to kind of be able to nicely direct it back to the chiropractor so yeah. that, that they can answer. Yeah. Okay. Would it be okay if I offered a slightly different perspective there, Don? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So, You're stupid. No, <laughs> no, no I, I agree. So uh, w one other thing that I would add to that is that we, when they may not have the answer piece of the puzzle, in a lot of ways, what they, they don't actually even really need the, the answer. They just need to see the, um, I guess, manage the emotional tone of it so that somebody comes in with some crazy thing they might, or they would it be okay if I offered a different perspective? Um, and you know, somebody said I heard that chiropractors cure cancer, and it can be as simple as would it be okay if I offered a different perspective? And yeah, look, that's really not the way that our practice works. Obviously, I'm not the chiropractor; I don't know all the details about that, but I know that's not what we're about. Did you want to talk to the, me to book a time for you to talk to the chiropractor about that? Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of 90% handle it because most people are just going to be like, oh, as long as you guys aren't like that, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> totally. I got it. Yeah, yeah. So you just give them a little bit. And that's what we always talk about concepts. Like if they understand the concept of chiropractic, you can yeah. use that to kind of go, well, that doesn't sound like something that we usually say anyway. So yeah, cool. So can I offer, offer one other strategy, which is kind of like the next level ninja move that uh, if you, if you've already got, permission under control it's your default pattern but you want to um, do kind of like the next level stuff this is my favorite strategy in that regard 
Cool. Um, so the strategy that I'd suggest is kind of next level is one called yes and. And so yes and comes from actually that improv theater, you know, the, where they get a scenario and then you just, it, there's, it's not pre-scripted and you've just got to kind of create something on the spot. And it looks like anarchy, but there's actually rules in there. And one of the rules is yes and. And yes and is essentially you're not allowed to, the rule in improv is you're not allowed to negate what the proposition that somebody else has had. So if you and I were in an improv troupe together and uh, you had said, it's a beautiful day, we're in the park, there's blue skies, the birds are chirping, and then you hand over to me for my piece, I can't then negate that. I can't say, and then big storm clouds came over and there was an apocalypse. I've, I've <laughs> got to kind of go off tangentially from what you've said. Yeah. Where it works with beliefs is this idea that, so naturally when we have a difficult situation, we have this kind of modernist perspective that if somebody says something to me that I don't agree with, then it's almost like a game of tennis. I've got to serve back harder in a way that you can't, uh, I've got to prove you wrong and serve back harder to, so that you can't return that. And so I've got to attack you and I've got to attack your ideas and use logic to prove you wrong. And yes, and is more of a postmodernist perspective, which essentially says it doesn't really matter whether an idea is right or wrong. It just matters whether it's useful. And so if we look at this, the emotional tone of it, what yes, and does is somebody gives you an idea and, and really skilled communicators like politicians are really good at yes, and where they'll, somebody will say to them, you know, I've heard that, uh, you know, your department's done a terrible job of, you know, you've, uh, mismanage millions of dollars of taxpayers' money, and they'll go. It's a really great question that you talk to us. You know that you're asking about appropriate use of resources, and the idea that we're here advocating for today is that we need to blah blah blah. And you just talk about what you want to do. So you just agree with some element of the first point, and then you go on to this other thing. And the the way that we process information is the first one. Oh, they've agreed with that you naturally flow onto their next piece of information because you're not fighting back to, you're not creating that internal conflict. And it plays really well, partly because of a thing called the recency bias, which is we have a natural bias to remember the last thing that somebody says. So if you kind of agree, you come across as a credible person. Yeah, look, I, and then if they're not hugely attached to the idea, which most of the time people aren't when they're asking these difficult situations, we offer them a different perspective and we just kind of lead them into a narrative that then positions our idea as the central idea. And the interesting thing from a focus perspective is when we get somebody to focus on one thing, um, focus drives perception and perception is reality. So if we get somebody to focus their perception on one thing, then they naturally tend to see that as the most important idea. So it's a really simple way Oh, it's not simple. It can, it's actually a little bit more difficult because we're kind of hardwired in difficult situations to want to argue against the first one. Right. So it can be emotionally for us a little bit trickier to kind of agree with an element of I've heard that chiropractic dangerous or I heard that chiropractors are anti-vax or I heard that chiropractors are, um, say they can cure cancer or I don't think chiropractic's for me or you hurt me or any of these things that we sort of go, I don't want to agree with that but it's a soft degree and I'll, I'll sort of explain how you do it. But the power is in not entering that competition. 
you get to win automatically. So you just position your idea as the only game in town. And because you've got them focusing on it, it's very, very effective at um, convincing people that that's the central idea. It's so funny because it just, it just gave me a visual. I was thinking uh, in, in cartoons, <laughs> but I was thinking yeah. of a communication. It seems like it's like the flow or momentum. So yeah. if someone's going in a direction, if immediately you just argued with it, it actually like, it changes that whole direction or it stops that momentum and then everything kind of has to, like everything it kids see is weird. Like you have to restart, you have to actually change direction, you have to stop, you have to go backwards, you have to do whatever, you have to regroup. But if you do that, it's almost like you're just kind of, you're agreeing with them and then and then they can maybe just slightly. Yeah, just change, it's exactly, yeah. yeah, that's excellent. That's exactly what it's doing is it's, I'll often use that martial arts metaphor of rather than, you know, having to go back again, they've, throwing a jab at you and if you you can try and push back and throw a jab at them or you can just use the momentum of them coming and just direct them off in a different direction and that's actually using your power plus their power to move them in a direction so right. that's, that's cool. kind of kind of what the metaphor is so the specifics of it would be um you've got to agree with them first it can't be you tell your bit and then you soften it by agreeing with them because that has the opposite effect like you're essentially negating their viewpoint and negating them is what creates that resistance in the first place so if we map out a scenario you come to me and you say i heard that chiropractic's really dangerous for children you agree with it first you go yeah look i can understand where you get the idea from that there's been a lot of media coverage which sort of suggests that that's the case and in our practice and in the practices of the people that I know and chiropractic all around Canada, there's thousands of chiropractors taking care, of, taking care of hundreds of babies, getting great results in a really, really safe and effective way. Uh, and then you've just kind of positioned it. You haven't negated it. You've just kind of, or if somebody came in in say a practice environment and said, look, I really don't feel like I'm getting any better. And then you, can, you kind of agree with an essence of it. I can, I can see why you feel that way. You've been coming in here for three weeks now and you're not feeling any improvement. And one of the things that is important for us to note is I'm tracking slightly different things. I'm tracking the tone of how your body's going and I'm starting to see that the patterns of tension are starting to shift a little bit there. We've got quite a way to go, obviously, because this is a process that we mapped out. And I'm confident that if we just stay the course, stick to the plan that we mapped out, then like all the other people that we take care of, you're likely to see some crazy, amazing things happen to your body. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's got elements to it where it works. If you look at it logically, you go, how the hell does that work? It doesn't work logically. It works higher than that. It works emotionally. And right. that's really the benefit of it. This one requires more practice because we're so hardwired to go in that. I've got to push back. I've got to push back. I've got to push back. And so people will often, when they first start doing this, screw it up where rather than doing yes, and they do yes, but where they go, I can see where you'd get that idea. Like if we go to the baby safety one, yeah. they might say something like, I can see where, why you get that idea. There's been all that media coverage, garbage, but the truth of it is that, and you just <laughs> essentially you you go and you've negated the the potential of that perspective, which changes the emotion, and it goes back into a I'm pushing back against you, which is an ineffective way of changing beliefs. We've got to create this emotional environment, which is natural for them to be open to a new belief, 
and that's by not pushing back. We're creating a, a focus towards a perspective that we can just flesh out more. I find that I, that's uh, like eating a marshmallow, right? Because um, to say but or to go Ugh, would be eating the marshmallow, which is not delaying gratification. Because uh, yeah. at first you'd say that would feel good, but yes. long term it wouldn't be good. And then no, what absolutely. we're doing is the, in the short term, it's not feeling good because we're trying to, we're kind of like going into it. Like you said, it feels, feels odd to agree with it, but then to drift them somewhere else, the end result is good. So it's so funny. We always talk about eating the marshmallow, delaying gratification, but that's in the conversation. We're delaying the gratification because it'll make the conversation better down the road. Uh, even yeah. though it might feel better to go look eat at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Yes, it is definitely delayed gratification. That's a good way of putting it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> So that's cool. So, um, you know, we got a few minutes left here. Um, is there anything that you'd like to kind of leave the listeners with just like kind of an idea just to kind of wrap it all up your view on chiropractic, your view on, on, on where things are going or what could happen? Or yeah, look, I, I think that there's a really common perspective around a lot of areas in, in, uh, around the world around chiropractic. It's a challenging time to be a chiropractor. And I think we don't get to have it both ways as chiropractors. We can't say chiropractic is this revolutionary perspective on health and then expect to have a revolution where nobody pushes back. So the, <laughs> the reality is if we want to have the, I believe chiropractic has the potential to change the health of the world, that our perspective, our philosophy and our practice is safe, it's effective, it creates changes in people's life that are powerful and um, proactive. And it's got so many things that are going to be of value to our community. And so we do have to sort of, that's the sacred trust to me that we've got to guard well. And that sometimes, those sort of statements of guarding it well, sometimes put us into that. We've got to fight for it. And I agree that we've got to be defend it. But I think the thing that we need to keep mindful of is that, in general, there's not a physical fight involved in that. What we actually have to do is advocate intelligently for our ideas, and at the core of that is communication skills. So communication skills are going to be more important moving forward than any than they ever have in the past because the, the if chiropractic is going to move forward, if we're going to be able to navigate these rocky waters and move ahead, we've got to get super good. At the core of our communication skills we need to be super good at handling these difficult situations. And that's going to require a strategy and it's going to require skill. And the strategies are permission and yes and. And the skill is now up to people. They've got to practice them so that they become their established patterns because that's really what a skill is. It's an established pattern that you can, you can use well in any circumstance. Um, and that doesn't happen the first time you do it. It happens on time 20 or time 80 or a thousand or whatever it is for you, but you've just got to get those reps in. Yeah. And I think too, it's so going to be so important in chiropractic as well as because we do have a tendency when you're fighting, you're in the protective position basically. Yeah. And, and when you're, when you're developing something, you're in the growth. So I know a lot of chiropractors, especially around the world are just being woken up to what's happening in the chiropractic land and yeah. they're, and they, and they're initially shocked and furious and emotional. Yeah. And so the first response is to fight. And I think what we're trying to say is if we, again, we, we can, we can kind of fight, but we do it by growing what, what our, our paradigm of chiropractic is. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. 
All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for being um, back on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So to all my, uh, all my brothers from down under, <laughs> all my Australian yes. buddies, and, um, and everybody out there, I hope you, uh, you know, listen to this a few times, get practiced up, because uh, uh, let's take this opportunity in chiropractic to actually hone our skills and, and, and not get depressed by the media, but use it to actually help us sharpen our skills. Because when you master your communication, you can crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.